Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to On the Ball with Rick Buecher. Here's your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. That's right. It's me. And this is On the Ball on the United Wecast Network. You can see me on FS1, hear me on Fox Sports Radio, and you can read me by ordering the memoir of Brian Grant and his battle with young onset Parkinson's called Rebound. It's out now. Order your copy on Amazon or visit your favorite brick-and-mortar bookstore to grab one. Are you a Kindle reader? Audiobook type? We've got those versions as well. Support Parkinson's and pick up your copy today. You can also follow me on both Twitter and Instagram, at Rick Buecher. I'm a lot of places, but there's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you are not likely to find anywhere else, primarily but not exclusively involving the NBA, and that is here. Now, for those of you who listened to the original iteration of this podcast, Buker and Friends, you know that when the COVID-19 pandemic began, I started tagging the episodes as coronavirus episodes. So with that in mind, I thought I should note that I have received the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. I'm not as thrilled about that as I was when I was able to secure the appointment. I have a circle of friends, several, several of whom are either pilots or firemen, so they were vaccinated a while ago, and I'll be honest, I envied them, felt they were ahead of the game. When my other friends were finding ways to get vaccinated, who weren't pilots or firemen, just regular people in regular jobs like mine, then it became a challenge. So one night after smoky cigars with some of these friends around my fire pit, I committed myself that night to nailing down vaccines for me and my wife, who wanted to get vaccinated so she could visit her parents back in Atlanta for the first time in a year. For the next two hours, I rotated through several sites and apps searching for an appointment. Sutter Health, City College, CVS, Switch, Refresh, Click, Refresh, switch, refresh. The closest I could find were in Yuba or Crescent City. This is a minimum five-hour drive from where I live. And after my friends said they got appointments right in the Bay Area, I wasn't willing to go that far. Then, suddenly, I somehow landed on the FEMA site, which showed the Oakland Coliseum, former home of the Golden State Warriors, having available appointments, like a ton of available appointments. 
the building that launched my career, as it turned out, or rather the parking lot of the building that launched my career, had been converted into a drive-through COVID vaccination station and had open appointments galore. I quickly secured one for my wife, then for me, and went to bed a happy man. Next afternoon, I got my shot. Process, straightforward, and I was actually impressed with how efficient the station's process was. My arm felt a little sore where they injected the vaccine, but other than that, I felt good. Went and worked out at the gym afterward. My euphoria changed that night. My wife went to bed early. She was feeling tired with hot and cold chills, and I usually stay up later than she does, in part because I usually work out later than the day than she does, which was the case in this instance. Uh, she asked me to get her some Tylenol and water when I came to bed, and that's an extremely rare request from her. She's not a medicine taker or a comfort asker for the most part. I woke up a couple hours later with similar symptoms, and woke up every two hours after that. And when I rolled out of bed the next morning, I felt achy and had a slight headache. The joy of getting vaccinated was replaced by the thought, be careful what you ask for. You just may get it. By the afternoon, I was feeling fine, though. And once again, grateful that I not only was vaccinated, but had received the single-shot Johnson & Johnson variety, saving me a second trip and appointment. Then, of course... The news came out about the Johnson & Johnson vaccine causing blood clots in six women and authorities reviewing, reviewing their cases and the government pausing the distribution of Johnson & Johnson vaccines. This news came after I talked to a wise friend of mine who has done a ton of research on the coronavirus, has made it essentially his business to do so, and said, he planned to wait as long as possible before getting vaccinated, allowing the pharmaceutical companies to work out the bugs. Makes a lot of sense, right? I took a little solace in him saying when he did get one, it would be the Johnson & Johnson because it had been developed with the most knowledge about the virus. Being first as Pfizer and Moderna and AstraZeneca were was not a positive attribute in his mind. He noted that all of the vaccines were a departure from previous ones and that vaccines had always been developed after a pandemic, plague, or virus had run its course, not in midstream. Here's the thing. Other than a certain peace of mind that I won't die from getting COVID and greater sympathy for those who did get it, having received just a taste of the effect from the vaccine, Life has really not changed all that much. I'm still wearing a mask pretty much everywhere. If I take the dogs down to the beach or the bluffs, I've stopped wearing one because I'm never in close proximity with anyone and there's invariably a breeze coming off the ocean. And my primary reason for wearing a mask was so that I wouldn't give anybody else COVID if I happened to be carrying it. I know the recommendation is, is that we should still wear masks everywhere we go. But this is one of the many flaws in the logic that I don't quite follow or understand. If the way we transmit COVID is primarily by having it and expelling it via our breath, if I'm vaccinated and I don't have it, then can I possibly be breathing it? 
And if I'm not breathing it and I can't get it, what is the point of me wearing a mask at this point? Or for that matter, anyone who is now vaccinated. I'll continue and going into stores and doing whatever because it's not that big of a deal. But it is one of the things that for those who are skeptics or those who don't want to buy into the whole thing, it's one of those pieces of logic that gives them justification for questioning the rationale for what we've been asked to do. And if being outside in a breeze, not near anyone, are still conditions that someone could get COVID in, then no one's safe, is my thinking. All right. Hope that wasn't too indulgent and non-sports related, but what has transpired over the last 13 months feels like a shared experience, as does coming out of it and where we go from here. So, thought I'd share my experience when it comes to my path out of this, our path out of this. Uh, before I move on to the basketball segment of this podcast, I do want to mention a deal I have for you with Mizzen and Maine, the sponsor of the podcast. You know it well. If you've seen me on TV, you've seen me wearing their blazer, certainly wearing their shirts. With COVID shutting down dry cleaners for a good stretch, I needed dress shirts and a blazer I could wear for my TV appearances that didn't need to be pressed or starched. Mizzen and Maine delivered. The material is the same light, stretchy, form-fitting, sweat-wicking fabric that your athletic performance gear is made of, only it looks as fashionable and as crisp as any high-fashion shirt I've ever worn. They've got an array of chinos and more casual attire made out of the same super comfortable material. And right now, you can use the code BUKER, my last name, to get $10 off any order over 100 bucks. Check them out. Mizzenandmain.com. That's M-I-Z-Z-E-N-A-N-D-M-A-I-N.com. All right, there's something going on in the media and among fans that I've got to address. And that is the downgrading of Kevin Durant. I'm not talking about the debate concerning if he is or isn't the best player in the league right now. With so many top players missing so much time and the way the game is being played, producing so many extraordinary offensive numbers, it's hard to really judge whose game is truly elevated and who is just taking advantage of the wide-open style every team other than the Knicks are playing right now. What I'm having a hard time hearing is the revisionist history about what Kevin Durant meant to the Golden State Warriors their two championships, and their three runs to the finals. I understand why this is happening, but it doesn't make it right. The load of the talent the Brooklyn Nets have assembled, everyone wants to preemptively discount if KD wins another championship. You know, just like the discounted ones he won with the Warriors. Here's the reality. The Warriors don't go to the finals three years in a row without KD. Yes, They went to the finals the previous two years without him. But the truth is, beyond those two years, maybe they win one more ring without him. But even that's debatable. Those that are suggesting, and this is always the line, that he joined a championship caliber team 
are not taking into account the attrition the Warriors suffered from their previous two runs to the finals. Many, many people don't seem to know this, but their first championship run wasn't fueled by the league's best offense, but by its best defense. You can go ahead and look it up. The next year, when they fell short, despite winning 73 games, they had the league's best offense, but their defense slipped to fifth. Why? Because playing small ball defense takes a ton of energy. You're essentially making up for being undersized with effort. And at that point, they had a little of both. They had a certain versatility. They had Andrew Bogut and Festus Azili. They had some bigs. They could play big if they wanted to. It's just they put teams away playing small. And they would close games playing small. But it doesn't mean they couldn't play big. Uh, but the Warriors were able to do it. That is, play small ball. Not just because Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, and Draymond Green worked so well together as a nucleus, but because they had depth. Andre Iguodala, Sean Livingston, Leandro Bobosa, Mo Spates, Brandon Rush, Festus Azili. Dismiss those names if you want, but they were incredibly efficient coming off the bench. Spates averaged 22 points, 10 rebounds, and one and a half blocked shots per 36 minutes. Now, obviously, he wasn't playing 36 minutes, but it gives you a sense of just how efficient he was. We remember Azili coming up woefully short in the final two games against the Cavs in the finals. At least I do. It's my lasting memory. But per 36 minutes in the playoffs overall, he averaged 16 and 10. That gives you a glimpse of his incredible efficiency. The dirty little secret is that their bench was as much a reason for those two finals runs as their stars. It's why their motto was strength in numbers. It's why people looked at their second five and said, that could be a starting five for half the teams in the league. And guess what? Due to age and free agency, that depth disappeared. David Lee, the starting power forward that Draymond Green replaced after he had a hamstring pull, he was coming off the bench for that championship team. Gone after that year. After year two, Barbosa, gone. Spates, gone. Rush, gone. Azili, gone. And of course, starting center Andrew Bogut, their best all-around defender, you can look it up, defensive rating. And Harrison Barnes, they're start, starting small forward and on par with Clay Thompson that season as defender, also gone. Enter Kevin Durant to make up for all of that. And boy, did he. KD was their best rebounder. He was their second best defender behind Draymond, who stepped up and replaced Bogut in that uh, top spot. KD had the second-best assist-to-turnover ratio behind Draymond. He was far and away their best shot blocker. He tied with Steph as their top scorer in the regular season and was far and away their top scorer in the playoffs. He was doing it at both ends. But most important, all those defensive pieces that they lost, Kevin Durant made up for them. 
I understand why Warriors fans aren't keen to embrace or acknowledge all that. They never warmed to KD, and he never went out of his way to capture their hearts. I'm not sure there was any left that didn't already belong to Steph, Clay, and Draymond anyway. For fans outside of the Warriors, the idea of him joining the team that had just won 73 games and stopped him from getting to the finals for a second time was unsporting. But the team he joined is not the team that went to the finals the previous two years. It wasn't the team that won 73 games. Other than veteran big man David West, they did not make another single notable addition other than KD. KD joined a franchise that knew the secret to winning championships, the same way LeBron did by going to the Miami Heat. No, the Heat weren't coming off a trip to the finals, but they had a star, a coach, and a front office that had not only been there, but had won it. Dwayne Dwayne Wade led the Heat to that 2006 title. Eric Spolster was an assistant coach. And of course, the godfather, Pat Riley, Lord of the Rings when it comes to team architects, knew exactly what it took to win a championship several times over. So yeah, look, LeBron has taken his heat for going to Miami. But people have not discounted those championships the same way they seemingly discount Kevin Durant's. And I don't really see much of a difference. Again, if you look at the team that KD was joining, it was not the 73-win team plus KD. He had to make up for a lot of key pieces. No out and outright stars, no all-stars, but a variety of pieces nonetheless. Question KD all you want when it comes to his use of social media. His punching down at Michael Rapoport, his latest comments about no longer playing for championships, but just trying to be the best he can be. That last one is an attempt, as I see it, to say, I refuse to take part in how most of the world measures great players, which is by the number of rings they've won, which is fine. I don't know how anyone competing doesn't have their sights set on winning it all. And if your sights are set on it, then it matters to you. Maybe he wants us to believe it doesn't matter as much to him as it matters to us. Or we want it to matter to him. Again, fine. He can propose that as what he's thinking. And both you and I are free to say, eh, not sure I completely buy that. But that's what he's thinking. What no one is free to do is dismiss what he did with the Warriors. My FS1 colleague, Chris Broussard, had the audacity to suggest the Warriors could have won championships with Bradley Beal or James Harden instead of KD. I heard the same thing after the Lakers' three-peat about Kobe, that Vince Carter or Tracy McGrady could have won those championships with Shaq the same way Kobe did. Both are preposterous suggestions and outright insulting to both KD and Kobe. In the case of the Warriors, Beal and Harden couldn't have possibly been the defender KD was. I'm not sure either of them could have scored on LeBron the way KD did when it mattered most. They certainly wouldn't have led the team in rebounding, 
And would either of them beat out Steph for finals MVP? Doubtful. That's what is misunderstood about KD joining the Warriors, is that he joined them and all of their big men left. They went full small ball, but it only worked because they had a big man in KD who was willing to do a lot of the dirty work. I don't know if he's still willing to do that. If he is, then maybe that turns what I believe is the largest Achilles heel that the Brooklyn Nets have, which is their defense. If KD is the same defensive presence for the Brooklyn Nets that he was for the Golden State Warriors, a, a defensive presence that I never saw in Oklahoma City to that level, and obviously seen very little of him since, missing subsequently last season and being in and out this season. But if he gets back to that, that could go a long way toward changing the fortunes of the Brooklyn Nets. And, and if it does, and he does, then this is going to be one more championship that can't be discounted simply because we're looking at the pieces that were around him, the names in this case. We've already seen enough to know there was a reason that LaMarcus Aldridge and Blake Griffin were on the buyout market, that no one was willing to trade for them, and that they were available. Yes, I believe they can help. Uh, Blake in particular, I think his IQ and his passing, uh, still more of a physical presence than people thought after they made a big deal about how long it had been since he had dunked. But they're not the answer. KD is going to have to be the difference maker, just like he was the difference maker for the Warriors in the championships that they won with him. There's the old line in commercials about financial advice. Past performance does not guarantee future results. Well, there's another saying equally applicable. Future events don't discount past performance. Dislike KD for who he is now and where he is now, all you want. But that's not license to diminish what he was for the Warriors, which was the key to two championships and damn near a third. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am, but Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The last topic I want to hit is the unfortunate injury to Jamal Murray of the Denver Nuggets. Tore his ACL out for the season. That brings to roughly a half a dozen players who have... Uh, t- had a torn ACL, suffered a torn ACL this season. And looking at some statistics, that's way above the average. Uh, through From 2010 to 2019, there were a total of 
26 torn ACLs in the NBA. That averages out to 2.88 a year. Now, there's plenty of uh, blame being placed on the fact that it was a short offseason uh, to expedite getting all the TV money, satisfying the broadcast partners. The league squished 72 games into uh, this season. Uh, so there are more games being played on average per week than there were last year. It's a fraction, I think, from 3.4 to 3.6 per week, but it's still up. And the obvious thing is to look at it and say, well, the league is putting all these players at risk because they're asking them to play them so many games in such a short time span. And certainly that is a factor. But I can't help but feel that some of what is contributing to this is also the fact that teams no longer practice anymore. Very little. Some of that is because of all the games, but it has become unfashionable for teams to play full-on five-on-five practice routinely. And what I've always heard from players is the only way you can really get into game shape is to play. Now, when you add the fact that this was a shortened off-season, so guys didn't get the usual off-season five-on-five run, certainly a contributing factor. But I just wonder, as quick as we are to blame the league and all the games being played, this reminds me of AAU, where tons of players get injured simply because they're playing too many games in too short a period and there's not enough practice. There's not enough preparation for all those games. And I feel like this is the same model. But if we're going to get back to spreading out the games, and we did that at one point. That was not this past season, but the season before. The idea was to lengthen the season, to provide more time between games, to lessen the number of back-to-backs. And... There wasn't any dramatic reduction that I can recall when it came to severe injuries. And I believe in part it's because with all that extra time or in spite of having all that extra time, there wasn't any additional practice time. Now there's been there's there's so much that has gone into sports medicine now. Players throughout practice are wearing monitors and teams are hyper-vigilant and hyper-aware of the energy that guys are expending. I'm not convinced that all that information and all that knowledge is necessarily protecting players from injury. It still requires interpretation. And I know that going back to the mid-2000s, Pat Riley was big. On monitoring. In fact, it was how he utilized being able to motivate his guys to play at and, and condition to a certain level because they might all be on the bikes, they might all be working, but they put the monitors literally, they would put, they would show the results of, of their monitors up on a screen in the practice facility, players have told me. So you knew what your oxygen deprivation was. You knew what your heart rate was. You knew what all those things were. You couldn't fake whether you were working hard or not. And so 
they weren't judged based on how they looked or how hard they were breathing. They were judged on exactly how much they were expending. And rather than utilize that to hold guys back, Pat used that as motivation to go harder. We need you to go to these levels before we're going to let you off before before the uh, the conditioning is done and uh, look you can argue with pat's results over the years and there was a time he certainly had a reputation for grinding guys and taking something off of their careers i'd say that he's also made a ton of careers probably more than he shortened overall because of his dedication his discipline his attention to detail and is ever striving to put teams together that are going to compete. I certainly look at that organization as one that I would be happy to be part of, whether it was as a, play a player or, or in the front office. They do things right. In the big picture, I feel as if the league has to find an answer to this. We just had the Brooklyn Nets and the Philadelphia 76ers play. This was a marquee matchup. The two best teams in the Eastern Conference with a pre-playoff battle. But we got no Kevin Durant. We got no James Harden. We got no Blake Griffin. It was really Kyrie Irving versus Joel Embiid show. This was at one point a circle the calendar appointment viewing game for me. But once I heard Durant was out, and I already knew Harden was out, I thought, this game really doesn't mean a whole lot. I'll go back and watch it but I didn't make a point of sitting down and watching it live as I would have otherwise. And what I've found is that there are just way too many of those games this season where, and again, suppose in, in one light, it's protecting players from having something like Jamal Murray's incident happen to them. But there's something missing whether it's because there's not enough practice time, whether the games are too condensed, whatever it is, there was an attempt here to, with the play-in games and changing the lottery odds, to make the regular season more meaningful. That certainly has not been the case this season, at least not the way star players have been utilized. And maybe I'm old school in this, but... I wish there was more pride, and there are. The Damian Lillards, the Steph Currys, there are still players who take pride in suiting up for every possible game that they can. I can't help but others are taking the approach that I believe LeBron James perfected, which is I'm going to only play games that matter and matter to me. Not necessarily to the league, not necessarily to the matchups, but I'm going to I'm going to exercise my right to sit down when I feel the need to sit down. And I know LeBron put out on social media that he hates not playing and he wishes he was out there and we've got media members who are willing to parrot that. And I do believe he loves to play. I do I certainly believe he loves to work out. He is committed to that. But he's also very businesslike in his approach about games, even within games. I've talked about this before. There are times where 
you would expect him to turn on the after jets and go get the win. And he measures it, looks at the opponent, maybe looks at the calendar. I'm not sure what he's looking at, but ultimately decides this game does not demand my ultimate effort. So I'm going to see if Kyle Kuzma or Alex Caruso can knock down a game-winning shot. And if not, save my best for another day. And hey, I, in the big picture, can't argue with him. I mean, his sustainability, his durability, the number of times that he's played ultra-long seasons is extraordinary. Nobody's done it. But I believe there's a method behind it that has allowed him to do that. He's approached it in a dramatically different way than some of the other greats that have gone before him and some of the greats that are in the game now. But what I see is that more and more stars are adopting the LeBron James method. And in the big picture, it just can't be good for the league. When someone who appreciates the game as much as I do passes on watching a game that would otherwise have my full attention, that can't be good. And if those are the marquee games, because I'll watch plenty of other games that most people wouldn't have an interest in, looking for something in particular, or just feeling that I need to keep tabs on various teams. Watch the Kings, just because. Need to see what's going right and what's not what's not working there. But the Nets Sixers, with all of their stars available, that's the kind of game that captures the mainstream audience's attention. And that is always the audience that the NBA is reaching for. You, me, those of us who love the NBA and watch it because we love the league, they know they've got us. I mean, look at it. For all the complaints I may have about what is going on with the game or the league, I'm still going to watch. They're still going to get my attention and they're going to get a few dollars in a variety of ways. So they've got me in their pocket and they know it. Probably got you too. But when you start losing the opportunity to get those people who are fascinated just by the big names and the big matchups and you have a Nets-Philadelphia game. Two big markets, two big teams, plenty of big stars. And that goes by the wayside because guys aren't available. To me, that's a loss. And that has to be a loss that's felt by the league, I would think. All right, that does it for this episode of On the Ball with me, Rick Buecher, on the United WeCast Network. Please rate and review the show. Uh, We've had a steady stream. Let's keep it going, please. Thank you. Don't forget my sponsor, Mizzen and Main, mizzenandmain.com. Use the code Buecher, my last name, for $10 off on any order above $100. All right. In the next podcast, have no idea. I have no idea. Just like last week. But... As like last week, I promise it'll be something good, be something notable, it'll be something meaningful, it'll be something entertaining. In the meantime, as always, thanks for listening.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.